2 Corinthians chapter number 12, verse number 1. And the Word of God said, It is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. Amen. That means brag about himself. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. This we believe is Paul. I'm not going to tell you it is, except I get down at the bottom and you'll see that it has to be. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago. Whether in the body, I cannot tell, or whether out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth such an one caught up to the third heaven. Now Paul, and we're going to see, he's going to talk about that. He's uh, leaving some doubt there, but he said in verse 1, he said, I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I don't believe today that God is doing that through the people of God anymore. When Paul wrote this, we did not, he did not, nor did the church at that time have a full recorded Bible. So we don't have visions and revelations. I talked to somebody this week and they was talking about visions and revelations. And they said it's of God. I said absolutely. All the visions and revelations I've seen in the Bible have been of God. They just got it all messed up where they're getting it. The timing. And he said in verse number 3, And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth. How that he was caught up in paradise and heard unspeakable words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. This ought to help you with these things that every time people's had an out-of-body experience, they come back and write a book, making money off of it. Yeah. Paul was caught up to the third heaven, and he said he saw things that was unlawful to be uttered, and he come back and couldn't tell them. Because right. he wasn't writing books, making money. That's right. yeah. I'm telling you this, as your pastor, a lot of preachers won't preach it, but we're not leave, or living in days of, of revelations and visions. Peter had visions. The apostles had visions. And so we find tonight that Paul had them too. But after the apostles, there's no more visions or revelations. You know why? Because we got a complete full Bible. And God speaks to us today in the person of his son and through his word. I don't have to have a... Amen. I'm glad Brother Burrell said amen. He, he's, he's right. Amen. I preach that. There's You've got friends that will not believe you if you tell that. I've got friends that would not believe me if I tell them in the public. They've got their mind made up. They've got twisted about it all. It said here how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such in one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. For I will say the truth, but now I forbear, lest any man should think of me... <clears throat> 
above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. In other words, unless they think Paul's higher up on the ladder, think higher of him. And he said, unless I should be exalted above measure. Now do you get that? Unless I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of the revelations, that was given to me a thorn in the flesh, and then he got a comma there and he says, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest or unless I should be exalted above measure. And he said for this, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that's three times, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities than the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. Now, that's a big statement. Do you take pleasure in your sicknesses? Paul did. In reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then am I strong. And Paul says for this last verse, and I'm going to read this tonight, I am become a fool in glory. Ye have compelled me, for I ought to have been commended of you, for in nothing am I behind the very cheapest of apostles, though I be, say it loud, nothing. Now you said, I don't understand where you're going. This is what I'm going to ask you. Why did Paul, as great a man as Paul was, calling on God three times to take that serious problem he had? I don't know what it was. Some said it was his eyes. He couldn't see. And, uh, you know, they brought him the letter and he had trouble seeing. Some said he had a problem with his back. I'm not going to argue with you tonight on what that problem was. But Paul had a sickness and God gave him that sickness and some sicknesses God gives to us. Why did God give that sickness to him and why did God not take it away from him? As great a man as Paul was. I'm going to answer that for you tonight and you're not going to like it. Amen. And uh, you can be seated and let's pray. Father, I pray tonight that you'll give us wisdom, divine wisdom. I pray tonight you'll give us that which we need from heaven. I pray you'll strengthen me. And Lord, give me unction from above. You know, Lord, tonight my job is not to tell what people want to hear. And Lord, my job is to preach the Word of God. And as I preach it, sometimes I preach to myself. And sometimes I preach to others. And I know tonight, God, that some will be disturbed by what I'm preaching. So I pray today before we get started, right now, this moment, this night, that you'll give everybody in this church unction from heaven to receive the Word of God. And at the same time, God, you'll give me the power of God to preach it with authority and preach it with humility, and preach it, dear God, tonight as you'd have it to be rightly divided. 
And Lord, may I add nothing to it nor take anything away. And I've been praying over this for many, many months and even years. And I pray God tonight you'll give us the truth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Now, I want to look at some things. I want to look in some scripture points that we need to look at first. I want you to take your Bible and go with me back to the book of Proverbs. I'm going to use these scriptures off of this little yellow note that I've got in front of me. And we're going to the book of Proverbs and we're going to chapter 16 and I'm going to read two verses, verses 18 and 19. And if you was reading this once a day, like uh, you ought to read it, you'd have read over this several times in your life. So we're going to chapter 16 and verse 18 and 19. The Bible said in verse 18, Pride goeth before destruction, and an haughty spirit before a fall. Verse 19 says, Better it is to be of an humble spirit with the lowly, with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. Well, what's that got to do? I believe all that's right. No, I know it's right. It's the Word of God. So I want you to read that and now go uh, to the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter, let me see, chapter 4. Let's go to Daniel chapter 4. We studied in Daniel. And it may look like I'm running circles, but you you compare Scripture with Scripture to get the truth. So we look into Daniel chapter 4, and I want to look at verse 25. Daniel chapter 4 and verse 25. This has to do with Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. He was a man full of pride. Notice in verse 25 what's said about him. That they shall drive thee from men. This is what's been predicted of him. And thy dwelling shall be with the beast of the field, and they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen. Somebody said, you really believe that Nebuchadnezzar eat grass? Do you really believe tonight that I believe God? Yes, he eat grass. And they shall wet thee with the dew of heaven, and seven times, and that means seven years, shall pass over thee, Till thou know that the Most High, we know who that is, don't we? Ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. And whereas they commanded to leave the stump of the tree roots, thy kingdom shall be sure unto thee. After that thou shalt have known that the heavens do rule. In other words, in seven years you're going to be put through the test of eating grass. Verse 27 said, Wherefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable unto thee and break off thy sins by righteousness and thine iniquities by showing mercy to the poor, if it may be in lengthening of thy tranquility. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. Notice what he did. 
The king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built? Dangerous territory. For the house of the kingdom by the might of my power. You reading me? And for the honor of my majesty. What if you heard a preacher preaching like that? While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from thee, and they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beast of the field. They shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and seven times shall pass over thee until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. You're not high up and as classified as high as you think you are, king. The same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar and he was driven from men and did eat grass as oxen and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hairs were grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. You said, I don't believe that. Better be careful. I believe it. And at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looks what happened, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven and mine understanding returned. Means he's a crazy man saying that. I started to call you that a while ago if you believe that, but I didn't. I knew God was going to do it here. Unto me, and I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. I won't stay on the rest of that. I'm just telling you that Nebuchadnezzar had a problem with pride. Now I want you to go to Hebrews chapter 12, please. And I've got a lot of scripture. Uh, I want you to know what the Bible says. I don't, I don't really care what you think. I mean, what I think about getting that over to you. I don't have no, I have no axe to grind and no animosity in my heart. I'm just, re, I'm just preaching the word. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, 2, and 3. We'll look at that. Wherefore seeing, here's what he said, wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. It's talking about Christ despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endures such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. And I want you to think about Christ. That's what he done. He laid himself down for me and for you. And I, so I just want you to see it. Now, I want you to back up with me to the book of Romans. We're going tonight to Romans chapter 12. And I want to read three verses out of chapter 12 of the book of Romans. 
Now you most of you could quote that verse. If you can't, you ought to pretty well learn it pretty quickly. You've heard me preach it uh, many times. And we get to Romans chapter number 12. Paul said, I beseech you. That word is big. I encourage you. I instruct you to exhort you. I preach to you. I beseech you therefore, brethren. He's talking to the saints of God. By the mercies of God that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. I hear people say, well, I'm willing to die for Christ. He don't want you to die for him. He wants you to live for him. He wants you to be a living sacrifice. Now, what's a living sacrifice? You give yourself totally, 100% to Him. And by the way, tonight, you don't own yourself. I don't own me. There you are. I fix to say that. I've been bought with a price. I'm not my own. All right? He said, But is a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. I could break that apart, but I'm going to be late getting out to where it is. Verse 2, and be not conformed to this world. Hear me? And be not conformed. In other words, don't act like the world, look like the world, smell like the world, do like the world, live like the world. And other adjectives you could put on that. But be you what? Transformed. By the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, if you're doing that tonight, if you put yourself on the altar for God, you know you belong to God. God owns everything of you. You have to admit that you're a nothing and a nobody. And you have to recognize that God, if you ever, if you ever do anything, accomplish anything in life, it's not you that done it. If you're a preacher and you preach and you do a good one, amen, every once in a while a preacher will hit a good one. And lots of times he'll hit a bad one. I can't help it. And no preacher, you've heard preachers preach and every time you've heard them preach, they're good. But every once in a while you'll stagger in on them and you look at Adam, they must have had a headache, didn't get a dinner uh, after dinner nap. Uh, him and his wife might have had a fuss or something and he'll preach and you say, I didn't get much out of that. Maybe you weren't looking for anything. And don't blame the preacher, but they, a preacher, hey, how many of you shout 24-7? Feel like the top of the world every day of your life. <laughs> Amen. You can't even fix your car when you know what to do to it. When you're in them kind of moods. You with me? Just listen. Stay with me. All right. So what he's telling us here. That if we do anything. We're his property. And we have nothing to brag about. Amen. And you got to be careful about that. Now I want us to go back to something else. I want us to go get it out of the scriptures another place. I want you to go to Hebrews chapter 2. He said, how come you couldn't have got that while I go? Because I didn't want to. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, 2, and 3. Hung on them 1, 2, 3 verses. Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard 
lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? Now the Lord's trying to tell us that we need to hang on to the truth and not let something slip. If God puts that in the Word of God to His children, that means you can slip. That means you better watch and be obedient to God and listen and make sure you're staying with God. All right? Let me just... uh, Well, I'm going to read this and look at this. And Paul, I believe, is one of the closest subjects on the earth to follow God as you could just about find. I've seen some great men of God from Genesis all the way through the book of Revelation. And I've seen some great works done out of the men of God, but none of them done it on their own. Now, I want to go back and I'll take another scripture I want you to go to the book of Ezekiel. I've never come at the angle of this tonight on this subject like I am tonight. You're probably saying, I I ain't figured out what it is yet. You will. I'm going to hit it with a, like it's a bombshell. Amen. Ezekiel chapter 28. When we go to Ezekiel 28, I want us to look at verse number 12. And let's read a few verses. Son of man, that's what he's called. In the New Testament, the Son of Man is Jesus Christ. The Son of Man is noted as Ezekiel in the Old Testament. And it's not even, it's just telling you that's the title that's been given to him. Son of Man, take up a lamentation. A lamentation is a weeping, a crying, a broken heart. Take up a lamentation unto the king of Tyrus and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Now he's fixing to talk to us and I'll show you who he's talking about here. It said, Son of man, take up a lamentation unto the the king of Tyrus. But that's not who he's actually speaking to. He said in verse 13, Thou hast been in Eden. King Tyrus was not in Eden. Eden's gone over for ages. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Are you with me? We're following the scriptures, aren't we? This is not the garden of Eden. Every precious stone was thy covering. The sardis, topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold. The workmanship of thy tablets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. We know it's a created being. We know he was in Eden. You study your Bible. You'll find out that God was in Eden. You'll find out that Jesus Christ was in Eden. you find out that the Spirit of God was in Eden. You find that Adam was in Eden. 
And you find that Eve was in Eden. And we also find that Lucifer, the serpent, was in Eden. So he's talking about Lucifer. He, he was a bright, shining creature. Said, Thou art the anointed cherub. Notice that. Thou art, do you see that word, the? Didn't say you are a. You are the anointed cherub that covereth. So here's where us preachers preach that Satan, the serpent, Lucifer, the devil, Slupid, whatever you want to call him, was in the Garden of Eden. And I have set thee so, thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created. Notice this, till or until iniquity was found in thee. What was his iniquity? Pride. And he said, by the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence. Thou hast sinned, therefore I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. And you can read the rest of it there, down to the next, down to verse, through verse 19. As for the sake of time, I'm going to another portion. I'm going to back up this time. And go to the book of Isaiah chapter 14. Basically talking about the same instant. Isaiah 14. If you want to find out where Satan's throne was and where he come from. And he pulled a multitude or maybe a third of the angels from heaven. There are the fallen creatures. Uh, I want to tell you these are the two chapters. Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28. Now let's go to chapter 14 of the book of Isaiah. I'm not too fast for you, are you, Emma? I want you to get this. Verse 12 says, How art thou fallen from heaven? Verse 12, chapter 14. O Lucifer, God shows us tonight that he's not talking to somebody else. He's talking to about Satan through the prophet Isaiah. How art thou fallen from where? Heaven. You find out how he got to earth. O Lucifer, son of the morning. Sometimes they'll call him the morning star, but it's not right. You hear them call him the morning star. He's called the son of the morning. How art thou cut down to the ground? Has anybody ever heard that phrase? Amen. The morning star. That's Christ. That's right. I'll show you that rascal. He's out after me. He's after you. Amen. I fight him every, every morning. Amen. I have to run from him. Yeah. Amen. Sometimes I stop and say, Lord, he's on me again. He's after me. And I find some relief. Brother, I'll tell you right now. Oh, you said, he don't ever bother me. You ain't, must not be doing a whole lot for God. Well, 
Stand up in the morning when you get up and say, Glory to God, hallelujah, I love Jesus, hate the devil, despise him. I'm glad I'm going to heaven, I'm glad he's going to hell. And then shout a while. Amen. You'll have a rough day. Amen. How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, Amen. Look at him. I will ascend into heaven. One. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. Two. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation. Three. In the sides of the north. Do you know where God lives? In the sides of the north. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. In the city of our God. In the mountain of His holiness. Beautiful for situation. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion in the sides of the north. The city of the great King. Amen. I got to practice tonight. Psalm 48. If you look at that. Amen. Singing the Word of God. And he says, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. What is that? Five or six? I don't know. I will be like the Most High. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. He's moving out of the sides of the north and headed to the sides of the pit. Amen. Devil, hear that. Yeah. Amen. Amen. My tires may be busted and I go out tonight. <laughs> they that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble that did shake kingdoms? Now, I'm going to back up a little bit more. I'm going to the book called Proverbs. Let's go back to Proverbs. I got all that on that little yellow piece of paper right there within, within 15 minutes. That's about as quick as I've ever got a sermon. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 says, These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. Do you know what an abomination is? It's something that makes God sick. It turns his stomach. He hates it. Somebody said, God's a God of love. He's also a God of hate. He don't love sin. He hates it. He hates all the devil's deeds. And here he says, there are six things that God hates and seven are an abomination. Now the first one, that he hates is a proud look. You said pride. No, he says he hates a proud look. There must be a difference between a proud look and pride. He put it different. I don't. You're educated. Figure it out. Amen. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. And heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. That's seven. God said he hates every bit of that. Now, I didn't, didn't break them down. If you've got any of that, you're on the devil's side for a while till you get off of it. Now, I want us to go... Tonight, to 
another place in the Word of God. I'm going to look at these little places and then we'll look at it. I want to talk about tonight, and here's what I want to do for the rest of it, and uh, here's where you'll probably drop off the track. A couple, three years ago, and I've been doing this for 50 years. Actually, I worked it out with Troy the other day to find out how many, I keep saying 50-something years. I found out I've been preaching for 52 years, fixing to be 53. You say, and I've got certificates to back all that up. I can show you, I just, I didn't get it out because I didn't want to plunder through all the stuff I filed back that my kids going to have to worry with. And I don't think nobody's thinking, listen, I'm not a novice. But I've pastored several churches. And when I look at this, and I just want to go over to this just for a moment, I'm going to come back to it. We have started, and I have tried to stop it for about three years, clapping hands in the house of God. I can see some of you now. I was taught when I was a little boy at Return Baptist Church that you don't clap for people. The applause is for the world. Amen. It's not for the saints. Because we have no accomplishments that deserve to be clapped over. The best sermon I've ever preached in my life, and I don't know what that is, shouldn't deserve you clapping over me. You shouldn't have to go around and brag on me. I shouldn't have to go around and brag on you. You ought to get busy, and I ought to stay busy. I've got nothing uh, to, to drive home tonight. But you know what? The accomplishments of the world. If you go to Elvis Presley impersonation, you'll have to clap or you'll look like an idiot. You go to the rodeo and they jump off that cow, start saying the cow, they jump off the horse and lasso the cow and tie him up and walk off. Everybody, clapping hands and praising. You go to Dolly Parton's show, that's entertainment. You've got to clap. I don't. I won't. My daddy told me that was wrong when I was a boy. My church told me that was wrong when I was a boy. My preacher told me that was wrong when I was a boy. I had another church that did that, and I got up and preached this right here. But in the course of years, I've looked at it and I said, Lord, maybe that's just a little harsh. So, ain't this getting interested? Ain't we having fun? <laughs> and I said things and tried to stop it, and it couldn't get it stopped, and it's getting worse. Now, if this makes you mad and upset you, you just study what I said. You look at what I'm going to give you here in a minute, and we'll go home 
And I don't know about you, but I'll sleep good. Amen. Paul was such a great preacher. You know what they did? Nobody clapped for him. They cut his head off. Jesus was the greatest preacher on the face of the earth. And they didn't clap for him. They said, crucify him, crucify him. There's been many a preacher that has rejected I'm not preaching, but has preached against this stuff and people don't pay no attention and some of them ain't got enough guts to stand up and preach it. And I'm so far against it tonight that if this takes this as my life's message at this church, that's fine. That's how much it bothers me. And that's how much I know I'm right. Amen. Well, you said, they'd done it in the Bible. I wish you would show me that. The word clap, C-L-A-P, is mentioned six times and it starts off in the book of Job and ends up in the book of Nahum. Six little times. Write them down, I'll give them to you. Because you're going to probably be up all night looking at these and uh, I've done got the answer for them. And we'll have a Bible study. Job chapter 27 verse 23. Get it? Job 27 verse 23. Psalm 47 verse 1 through 9. And the first verse is the one you want to look at. Psalms 98, verses uh, 1 through 9, and the 8th verse is what you want to look at. Isaiah 55 and verse 12. Lamentations 2.15. Nahum 3.19. And when you read these six little verses, yes, they were clapping hands. But they were clapping hands for the Lord. He's the only one that deserves to have clapped hands. I get up and preach and you say, Preacher, I love that sermon. That sure was good. You helped me. Let me tell you something. I don't have the ability to preach. Never have had. I get scared every time I get in the pulpit. But I'll tell you this much right now. I love preaching what God says. And I'm not scared to preach the Word of God. I even looked up the word timbrels. Y'all know what timbrels are, right? And I found five verses. The first one is over in Exodus 15 when Miriam danced and timbreled. And they said, the horse and the rider has God put in the sea. It wasn't giving man glory. Giving God. Can anybody in here tell me you know how to do everything and you're perfect at it? If you are, and you're higher than God, anybody higher than God? We'll clap if you are. But I won't have to waste my time. Huh? 
Okay? In Job 21, 12, talks about the timbrel. Psalm 81, 2, talks about the timbrel. Psalm, 4, Psalm 149 and verse 3, talks about the timbrel. Psalm 150, verse 4, talks about the timbrel. But none of them are magnifying man. So I don't care if you go out tomorrow and say, that's a sorry low-down preacher we got over there at Bible Way. God knows better. God loves preachers like me. They'll preach the truth. They'll preach things that you don't want to hear and things He don't want to preach. But He'll show you what the Word of God says. And so tonight, that's final on it. And if you can separate with any of that, we'll take further action. I wouldn't press it. You'll have a hard time dealing with God about what I preach tonight. I don't know how many would be on my side. I didn't come in here looking for that. I don't have to worry about whether anybody's on my side or not because I've got this book. And this book is real. This book is right. And this book will be here when you're gone. Heaven and earth will pass away. But my words will not pass away. All right. I guess I got enough said. If I ain't, I can do it again. And say it louder and longer. And if you can find something that changes my mind... I'll listen to you. But it ain't going to come out of a different version and it's not going to come out of the Sears and Roebuck catalog. I got Bible. God bless you.